The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. <laughs> and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. All right, hour two, we are jumping into round 11. And Scott mentioned that he selected Rysel Iglesias, just lasting way too long in this format. Pick 121 overall. And then Mike Clevenger, Zach Gallen, Nathan these so we see a run of starting pitchers. And then I selected Nelson Cruz, 125th overall. Scott, we did our util-only kind of preview last week. We, we looked at each of the players uh, who have that eligibility. It's Nelson Cruz, it's Otani, it's Fran Reyes. And don't sleep on Gavin Sheets for those in deeper leagues. Um, and man, the more that I think about it, I really just think Nelson Cruz struggled in Tropicana Field. He uh, did not have good career numbers there. Um, obviously last year included. He was not good there last year. I, I kind of just think like wherever Nelson Cruz winds up, as long as it's not back in Tampa Bay, uh, that he's going to go back to being really good. So, I mean. Yeah, I, one word of caution on that because I, I've, in this specific format with the nine hitter spots to fill and um, obviously it's head to head, so you're playing a week at a time. You, 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 you can't afford to take too many chances. And Nelson Cruz at his age, so often has that red cross to his next to his name going into a week that it's just super frustrating. It's super frustrating because, you know, five man benches points format. You want a bench full of starting pitchers. You don't like yeah. keeping extra hitters around, but you have to for Nelson Cruz. And then it's very likely you miss out on a productive week from him because you were just playing it too cautiously, not wanting to take an L for the week, you know? Yeah, um, the thing with Nelson Cruz though, to, to back up, Frank's point is one, the overall numbers were still very, very good. Yep. Um, and the underlying numbers were all pretty uniformly excellent still. He um, still crushed 2.5% hard hit rate. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. So I, I still think, yeah, that he's, he's very likely to once again be one of the most profitable drafted players uh, in fantasy for probably the 11th year in a row. Which uh, is probably pushing David Ortiz's likely record. Mm-hmm. Um, the, those two guys just kept falling as they got older, and Nelson Cruz is definitely following a similar trajectory for Ortiz, where we just have not seen any real signs of decline from him yet. All right, after I selected Nelson Cruz, Marcus Stroman was selected next, someone that I was eyeing as my. SP5, I do like him in points leagues quite a bit. Uh, and then Logan Gilbert, someone I've, I have pegged as a breakout candidate, Ty France. And then Chris, you select the number two, or I guess arguably number one, Sparp. guess it depends on how you feel about him versus Ranger Suarez, but uh, Luis Severino for this upcoming season. And we spoke about him recently, and you said that you're going to draft a lot of Severino, and you're doing exactly that. Yeah, the higher upside Sparp, I think, for sure. When, when you talk about Luis Severino and you go back to you know, the, the last two healthy seasons for him, which now are 2017 and 2018, so four years ago at this point. But, you know, the, the numbers he put up there, he outscored the number one closer last season, Liam Hendricks. So he has a chance to be the single most valuable relief pitcher in fantasy this season in this format. Obviously, the chances of him throwing 190 innings again, I think are very slim. Uh, and coming back from... Tommy John, shoulder, all kinds of issues. It's entirely possible he's just never the same guy. But 
I think with the state of pitching in this draft in particular, I wanted to chase upside with uh, an RP like Luis Severino. Again, another spot like Christian Yelich, it's a risky pick, but it's an opportunity to get a significant advantage on the competition. All right, after you selected Luis Severino, we see Ian Anderson, Lance McCullers, and Chris Taylor to finish out round 11. And uh, I wonder if RJ White saw the report that Lance McCullers' forearm was like detached from his his bone or, or from his elbow or whatever it was. That, I mean, I don't uh, think that was an accurate, uh, <laughs> accurate description of the, the report. Uh, I don't think his forearm was detached. It was something like that. The muscle, Probably, was maybe a muscle. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. I would assume that he's not like a Ken doll or a GI Joe and right. doesn't have like a removable hinge. Yeah. On his elbow. That would be very bad. That, but you know what it reminded me of? I mean, obviously, I've got to go uh, to an Adam Sandler movie here. But have you guys seen Mr. Deeds? Yes. I actually love Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds is a really funny movie. Scott, have you seen Mr. Deeds? I, I'm i not sure if I have. Ah, well, there's a point in the movie where this old guy just like picks up his kneecap and he just like he's like stretching it around <laughs> and he's asking if there's a I don't know, like he's asking the nurse if, if she's got anything to like heal this. Um, and it's just reminded me of that Lance McCullough. What, so. what, it, what it made me think of was uh, Nathan Fillion's character in last year's The Suicide Squad was a character known as the detachable kid <laughs> and his superpowers. He can remove his limbs and throw them at you, which I thought was just hilarious. Mm. All right. Uh, I haven't seen that Suicide Squad. Was it good? Very good. All right. I got I to gotta check it out. Uh, but let's catch people up. After Lance McCullers goes, Chris Taylor, again, that finished out round 11. And then to start round 12, Randy Rosarena, 133rd overall, where, I mean, say what you want about the guy. Um, I, I know he's better in Roto versus this format, but that feels like a pretty damn good value, 133rd overall. He walks more than you think. Uh, I think he had like a 9% walk rate last season, so he's not totally out of his depth in this format. uh, After Randy Rosarena, then Jared Walsh, Emmanuel Class A. Again, those closers lasting lasting just too long in this format. Chris selects Patrick Sandoval. Curse you. Someone I was looking at. Pitcher valuations in this draft (laughs) are just completely off the... Off the, I don't know what the term would be. <laughs> Off the chain. Yeah, they, they've exploded. And so, I mean, John a lot Mee's of guys are being, a lot of rounds. guys going 40, 50 picks earlier than they probably normally do. Yeah. Um, at starting pitcher, but you have to adjust to that kind of sure. draft. No, as well. I mean, we're, we're, I wanted seven of my top 55. Um, <laughs> at this rate, I'm going to be lucky to ha- have five of my top 55, unless you count Suarez. Hmm. And you should. And here I am. I, I don't have an SP5 yet. My top-ranked starting pitcher is Luis Garcia. I know he struggled third time through the order last year, so not sure how much volume he's going to give me on a per-start basis, but he was really good last year. And for the most part, I think that he is better than the names available, so I will select Luis Garcia and his his rocking back-and-forth motion, which is, is very fun to watch. Um as my SP5. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, I don't blame you for taking him. I was going to. Now um, now I for sure will not have even six of my top 55, unless you count Suarez, which Chris says I should. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think this makes sense, though. I mean, we're. it sounds like we're admonishing the, no, the no, draft not, room yeah. here for, for pushing starting pitchers up like this. You look at the quality of hitters available, and... They're it's just, not great. There just aren't any for this format, and, and given how many few hitter spots there are to fill, that it, you just don't see anybody worth paying up for. Yep. Maybe one or two guys, but I, I, I think a lot of times if you if you do a head to head points draft, particularly with people who are used to drafting in in roto or categories, as this group mostly is, I'm sure. There's kind of just this. You know, there, there, there's kind of like a, a carryover effect where they're they're used to drafting this hitter here, so this hitter gets taken here. And I think uh, I think this group has shown a lot of restraint and and is really thinking about how to build their team most optimally for the format. And that's why we're seeing this happen at starting pitcher. So I'm going to take Noah Syndergaard here at the end of round 12. He is the last of that top 55 for me. So counting Suarez, I have six of them. And then I'm going to take Dalton Varsho. 
Dalton Varsho and just hope that he meets his upside and that I can have a real advantage at that position where only half the league will have a real advantage and uh, hopefully make up for for some of my um, some some of the areas where I lack with that. Yeah, this is not Dalton Varsho's strongest format. Roto, obviously, because he's a catcher eligible player who could potentially steal. I don't know. What do we think? 15 stolen bases is probably the upside. He was more I like an 18 to 20 more. guy I think in the, upside is in the minors. It, it, it really comes down to how many bats he gets. I feel yeah, like. that's if, the, if he's a true everyday player, then yeah. I mean, I, I think the ultimate ceiling with the the extra bats from playing the outfield and the uh, the stolen bases. I mean, I, I don't. I, I think Salvador Perez is a, the, a distant number one at the position. So I'll say Varsho could challenge for the number two catcher this year. Yeah. Mm. Uh, let's, ca- let's catch people up and there is an update on the labor negotiations nothing crazy yet but uh, I will get you caught up there Scott selected Noah Syndergaard and Dalton Varsho as he mentioned so we're into round 13 and Yoan Moncada, John Gray and Michael Kopech were selected Michael Kopech has relief pitcher eligibility in this Another format guy who could really benefit from a shorter schedule if, for, he, if, if he only has to pitch five months he might be a starter for four of those and I will select Wilson Contreras, somebody who strikes out more than you'd like. I don't know that he's going to be a true standout in this format, but mm-hmm. uh, someone I do think is going to play quite a bit. They signed Jan Gomes. I think that's either with the idea of playing Wilson Contreras a lot as their DH, or they're going to flip Wilson Contreras and he'll just wind up in a better situation. So uh, either way, I think it will work out for Wilson Contreras. And that update that I wanted to provide, granted, this comes from John Heyman, so I guess take it with a, with a grain of salt. Oh, no. It was also tweeted by uh, Evan Drellich of The Athletic. Sources MLB offered to start the CBT, that's the competitive balance tax, at $228 million. So for anyone who's been oh. following, the uh, MLB has been at 220 The Players Association has been at 238 So this is kind of a, a meeting in the middle here. Um but they go up to $240 million by the end of the five years. There's still quite a bit of a, a gap there uh, between what the players are asking for and, and this offer, but it is certainly moving in the right direction. So uh, we'll see if some good news can come on Tuesday. Uh, after I selected Wilson Contreras, Lourdes Gurriel, really strong pick there by Dan Schneier. I was looking at him as my outfield three. Uh, and then Aaron Ashby, who also has relief pitcher eligibility, lots of upside. We just... Are not sure what the role is going to be yet. Uh, and then DJ LeMahieu, who has triple eligibility. That is first, second, and third base. That one hurt. Chris, You're I, reacting to LeMahieu. Okay. I yes. wasn't sure if it was LeMahieu <laughs> or Ashby. But you let out a big sigh. It was, it was LeMahieu, which is sad. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, he was... I, I have a hole at third base. And I was hoping he. I would have a... DJ LeMayhew to fill in there. And because um, he's another guy who the plate discipline helps him a lot in this format. And I think he's going to bounce back. I don't think he's going to be what he was in 2020 or even 2019, but I do like his chances of bouncing back. So that, that was frustrating. I'll admit. All right. Yeah. Look, if everything works out for LeMayhew, he could be a true standout in this format as well. And uh, if the Yankees lineup bounces back, then we should get a lot of volume and a lot of run scoring opportunities. Uh, so, Again, things that could definitely help LeMahieu in this format. Chris instead selected Jared Kelnick, and then we see Steven Strasburg, Edwin Diaz, and Zach Greinke. Man, Nathan Judah has basically uh, been your rival today, Scott. Carlos Carrasco now. <laughs> yeah. The, the forgotten ace trio getting pushed up to the 150 range here. Mm. Uh, which I think, especially in a points league, I mean, these are guys... You know, Zach Greinke, the strikeouts were down last year, but you know if if he's right, then what his most valuable asset is innings and volume. And again, that yeah. is what helps you in this format. If Carrasco could stay healthy, he got a I believe a bone chip removed from his elbow in the off season. I think I personally feel that's what plagued him more than anything else last year. I know he was dealing with the hamstring injury, but uh, hopefully Carrasco can bounce back if if he's anywhere close to the pitcher he was in. Uh, I think even the short in 2020. Yeah, 2020 then, was awesome. Then, yeah, was, he's he's going to be a steal at this point in the draft. Um, now, I should mention it's a forgotten ace trio. And 
I only mentioned two names there, so there's, there's another one. There's another one hanging out. Shh, we can't. Just, uh, we can't mention that name yet. No. Maybe I'm going to select him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you should. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> after Carlos Carrasco goes, we are in round 14. Joey Gallo, Jose Urquidy, and Chris selects Kenley Jansen, who I believe, and I think most people believe, will be the closer uh, wherever yeah. he signs. I mean. Maybe there's yes, like three uh, or four teams that he goes to where he isn't the closer, but I don't. And think- I, I don't. I can't imagine he's going to sign anywhere that he's not going to be the closer. Right. Yep. Makes sense. Uh, and there he goes, Kyle Hendricks, the third mm-hmm. of the forgotten ace trio, uh, pick one sixty-two. Who else went? Cabert Ruiz, someone who else who should form, um, who should excel in this format. And then we see Will Smith, the closer for the Atlanta Braves. 163rd overall. I need an outfielder. Uh, I don't have a single relief pitcher yet either. So let's <sighs> see what's going on here. Oh gosh, I'll roll this Chapman. Uh, uh, don't want to do uh, that. A lot of groaning going on in this mock I mean, draft. They, right they now. have just destroyed starting pitcher. Oh geez. And there are there are a lot of openings in people's starting lineups the hitter spots and yet we're already we're already into drafting bench pitchers yeah this I, is again i think rough. is the right way to approach it i'm just not used to everybody approaching it that way uh what i'm going to do is even though he's not my highest ranked reliever he's not scott's highest ranked reliever i am going to select cal quantrill who i think pretty uniformly is the third ranked sparp this upcoming season um yeah i guess yeah however good you think michael kopech is going to be like maybe there's a conversation oh, yeah, there, true. but I, uh, is, I forget about Kopik. I don't. Syndergaard is not RP eligible. No, he is not. Um, but yeah, Cal Quantrill. He's Cal Quantrill. One of these guys. He was ridiculous down the stretch last year. The problem is the underlying numbers don't really line up with you know what he was yeah. doing. Not as many strikeouts. The walks a little bit higher than you'd imagine. Uh, but he does excel in hard contact suppression. So you know. Usually those kinds of pitchers are, are hard to project year over year, but you give the benefit of the doubt to Cleveland. And I mean, we're pretty late in this draft. It's, it's round 14 and he's my first relief pitcher. So uh, I did come into this yeah. one. No, I, I think the spark, I don't believe in Cal Quantrill, what he did last year. Certainly not that. What was it? A 15 start stretch with a sub two ERA or something. Yeah. Sub three ERA or sub two? A 289 ERA overall. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think it was a sub two ERA over the stretch I'm talking about. Very long stretch. And I don't believe in it, but I, I think the upside of that in your RP spot makes it worth gambling on in this format when I, and, you know, he might go undrafted in, in a 12 team roto. And he probably should. But the, the thing about that also is we've got, what, four at least viable. Sparps this season, which means that potentially only 20 actual closers are going to be starting at any given point. So that's the other thing about this format is that there are only in a 12 team league at most 24 closers starting. Right. Um, so I guess occasionally you'll get a starting pitcher eligible player uh, closing, but you probably wouldn't want to use them anyway. So uh, yeah. it's, it's not, it should be easier if Cal Quantrill or Luis Severino flop to find a replacement option because nobody it's not it's not just everybody going after every single person who might theoretically get a save like you have in a lot of road up leagues right exactly there there's always a closer on waivers in a 12 team points league and like a true closer not like whoever the Orioles happen to have been running out there last (laughs) week Uh, let's see what else has gone on since I selected Cal Quantrill in the middle of round 14. We see Jake Cronenworth, Anthony Rizzo, Jordan Romano, and then Scott goes with Aaron Savale and another of the profit pocket. That is CJ Crone to kick off round 15. What's he still doing there? That, that was one of the few pitchers I, I hitters I thought was worth um, taking ahead of everybody else as all these starting pitchers go off the board. Five rounds after Josh Bell. Uh, yeah, I know Crone doesn't walk as much as like Josh Bell or Votto or, or even Hoskins, so maybe that's what people are looking times like. 470 at-bats, so 530 plate appearances. He walked 60 times last year. Mm. He at least yeah, I mean, did last year, okay? The issue is 
in a league with shorter benches, you would prefer to have the ability to sit him those times when he's on the road. Oh, that that would be the one thing. That's yeah, actually he has a full week on the road. Yeah, that's a really good point, Chris. And mm-hmm. I, I think everyone who plays in a head-to-head league where you are facing one opponent week over week throughout the course of your season, you probably don't want more than one Rockies player. There was one year where I think I had two or three Rockies in a head-to-head league, and it was brutal. Like, they would all, they would be great when they're all at home, but when they're all on the road together in your lineup, it is rough. So keep that in mind. Maybe you draft one. I probably don't even want two, but just keep that in mind. Don't don't overdo it with the Rockies players in this format. I mean, there's only in a head-to-head points league. Are there three Rockies worth drafting? Uh, CJ Crone. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Story Crone, maybe Blackman. Well, Story's oh. not going to be back. Uh, but Crone and Rogers. I'd put Brendan Rogers ahead of Blackman. Yeah, I think Rogers and oh, I'm about to time out. Uh, I'm just going to select Austin Meadows. I think this is like too late for Austin Meadows anyway. I think he averaged three fantasy points per game last year. So might sit against lefties. There's a chance that he's traded. Um, I, I don't really know that we know for sure who Austin Meadows is at this point in his career. But 173rd overall, I'll, yeah. I'll take a shot at that point. So. Uh, it's just it's just too late. After Austin Meadows, well, actually, let's see what else happened this round. Uh, Scott selected CJ Crone at the top, then Aroldis Chapman, Tarek Skubal, Alex Verdugo, strong pick in a points league, lots of doubles, should hit near the top of the Red Sox lineup. I selected Austin Meadows, then Eddie Rosario, and Joe Ryan. And Chris, you are on deck. See what you are going to do here. Um, let, let's, let's check in on your team, Chris. It's it's been a while since we've seen what you got going on here. Uh, you don't have a catcher or a third baseman, but yep. you've got Jose Abreu, Whit Merrifield, and Corey Seager in the infield. You've got Mike Trout, Christian Yelich, George Springer in the outfield. Very strong. Jared mm-hmm. Kelnick as your utility bat. Then at pitcher, you've got Robbie Ray, Eduardo Rodriguez, Brandon Woodruff, Framber Valdez, Patrick Sandoval, and you've got your two relievers in Kenley Jansen and Severino. Uh, and you are now on the clock, Chris. Are you looking at a catcher or a third baseman? Thinking about a third baseman, thinking I could probably wait. That is what I've been doing, and I think the guy I have at the top of my list is unlikely to be drafted. So I will go with another one of my favorite sleeper pitchers uh, much earlier than I would normally take him, but Alex Cobb. Oof. Alex Cobb. I'm pretty happy with this team. Hey, your uh, team looks great. I yeah. agree. I, I like it as well. Um, I was interested to see where you where the pitching turned out. I, I know you took Woodruff and Robbie Ray early on, but yeah, Framber Valdez excels in this format. You and I are both in on Eduardo Rodriguez. We all like Patrick Sandoval as a breakout candidate. You've got an elite closer with a Sparp, uh, and now you get a, a, another pitching option, some more depth there in Alex Cobb. So it's a nice team you put together. I'm, here, Chris. I'm pretty happy with it so far. Obviously, you know, catcher's not going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's if you're gonna punt at a position, it's catcher. Uh, yeah, Probably. and there's a few decent names available too. Um, so we'll see who you wind up with there. After you selected Alex Cobb, Corey Kluber, Giovanni Gallegos, Craig Kimbrell to finish out round 15, and then starting off round 16, we see Luke Voigt and Alex Wood selected. Uh, Charlie Blackman. So to answer your question, Chris, we need one more Rockies player drafted, and that will be three. In this draft, CJ Crone and Charlie Blackman are the first two Rockies hitters selected there. Uh, your backup, Chris, is it time for that third baseman? No. 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 Okay. It's time to fill the catcher position and in keeping with the theme of aiming for potential difference makers, I will go with a guy who maybe will be up on opening day, but certainly has the potential to be a significant difference maker. I mean, we could be talking about Adley Rushman as. I mean, very realistically as the number one catcher in fantasy for most of the next decade, right? I mean, this is, <clears throat> he's a a guy who, you know, I was reading Fangraph's um, top 100 prospects or top 101, whatever they do. And um, they talked about how they considered giving him a future value of 80, which I think they've only done once before. They ended up giving him a 70, which is still incredibly high. But, you know, he he is the kind of, 
prospect Adley Rushman, who was the number one pick in the 2019 draft catcher, um, who expectations should be really, really high. What he did last season and effectively his first real taste of professional baseball between double A and triple A walked at around a 14% clip overall struck out around 17% of the time had an ISO right around 200. He does basically everything you want. It's entirely possible that we're talking about him as a (sighs) Buster Posey's too high of a comparison, but that's the that's the ceiling. I mean, that's the that's the model here. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's far fetched. He, he, he's a he's a Hall of Famer. You don't want to you don't want to do the Hall of Famer <laughs> comp for every top prospect. I don't know that yes. Buster Posey is a Hall of Famer. First of all, that's, uh, that's a different argument him. for a different podcast. Um, but <clears> I, I mean, um, I I think Adley Rushman's power ceiling is definitely higher than Posey's was. It's, and he, he, he's, and that's he the just, model. He's as flawless least. of a catcher prospect as I, I think has ever been since um, Matt Weeders. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I say that I, I say that wonder, a little tongue in cheek, but like Matt Weeders actually was like he was a huge prospect, un, right. an unbelievable prospect. I just wonder if. Hang on. I wonder something, but I'm trying to make my picks here also. Yeah, Scott, you make your picks. In the meantime, I, I did just want to mention the strike to the strikeout to walk rate for Adley Rutschman last year in the minors. 90 strikeouts to 79 walks. I mean, yeah. this guy's plate discipline was ridiculous. So you're talking about a format where, where that kind of skill set obviously uh, excels. So I'm all about it. I actually, I really do think if you play in a one-catcher head-to-head points league, and you wait a catcher, I think Adley Rutschman is a really smart move. Um, I know you probably want to load up on starting pitchers in, in your reserve rounds, but if you have one of those spots dedicated to just stashing Adley Rutschman until he's up, which he could be on opening day, we don't know, and then just you know fill in with Mitch Garver or whatever, Travis Darno mm-hmm. or Elias Diaz until he gets called up, I think that's a perfectly fine strategy. So I like it. It's just the five-man bench... In a league where yeah. you're in a format where you're constantly streaming pitchers, um, you don't think four bench spots is enough though, Scott, for for no. starting. You pitchers? would, no, I, I, I would nev- say this. I never have enough bench spots in a head-to-head points league. Yeah. You would hope that it's not a month and a half right. Because and cause you're hopefully, gonna wait however long it is, right? Yeah, I think you have to, unless there's some reason not to. Yeah, like he gets hurt or there's just some kind of indication that he's not going to get called up. He so. gets hurt is probably the only right, the only one. Um, let's catch people up, though. After you selected Adley Rutschman, there were a ton of picks. Jesus Lozardo, Christian Javier, Camilo Duvall. I selected Hyunjin Ryu. He is my SP6. Then Drew Rasmussen, who I think is a, a sleeper spark candidate in this format. He was really good for Tampa Bay down the stretch. Gary Sanchez, Jordan Montgomery, and then Scott at the 16-17 turn selected Tony Gonsolin and Alex Kirilov, two players who I know you talk about quite a bit, Scott. Uh, and then Tristan McKenzie, Lucas Sims, and Tyler Stevenson. Those are the first uh, four picks of round 17. But if you'd like to tell us more about Tony Gonsolin and Alex Kirilov, please do. Yeah, definitely going for upside here. Uh, I'm drafting a ton of Tony Gonsolin this year. I think the Dodgers need him more than ever. He was hurt a lot of last year and his walk rate ballooned because of it, but he still managed to have an ERA in the lows threes, which is something he's done every year. Um, He's had a great ERA. And yeah, I think this is his year to take the step forward that we saw Julio Arias take. Not saying he's going to be a 20-game winner or anything and we're going to be drafting him in the top 10 starting pitchers a year from now. But um, I do like the upside relative to most of the starting pitchers that are left. And then Kirilov, obviously. I think a pretty obvious upside play there. Don't even really need to get into it too much. Big prospect who got hurt hurt his wrist early last year and, and yet still clobbered the ball until finally giving into surgery. Hopefully he puts it all together. Yep, and he is one of those prospects, um, much like Adley Rutschman, where the, the plate discipline in the minors um, was, was really strong, makes a good amount of contact as well. Uh, I don't know that he walks all that much, but should hit for a good amount of power. And even if it's not over the fence, yeah. uh, over the fence power, then I think a lot of those will be doubles, which helps in this format as well. I think he could be 
I think it could be Kyle Tucker without the steals. Kirloff. You know what I was thinking? It's got Nick Cassianos. I feel like okay, that's sure. like a fair, yeah. like a, yeah, a, an upside comp for, for Alex Kirloff if, if it all comes together. Uh, but catch people up here. After Tyler Stevenson went, he was the last pick I mentioned. I selected Herman Marquez. I understand it's a disaster trying to figure out no, when I'm, to use Herman Marquez, but I'm frustrated that you did that. He goes <laughs> he goes very deep into his starts, um, mm-hmm. pretty consistently. So if you look at you know last year he threw 180 innings back in 2019, 174. That was over 28 starts in 2018. He threw 196. So you know I'm gonna have to really pick and choose the matchups here, but um, I, I do think head-to-head points is probably Herman Marquez's best format. Um, if we're being honest. After I selected him, Robbie Grossman, Brian Hayes, Tommy Edmond, Chris, you selected Luis Arias. Shout out. I'm a fan. Uh, and then Andrew Heaney and Josiah Gray go uh, to... Josiah there, Gray goes to RJ White. There's just no such thing as having a cute starting pitcher in this draft. <laughs> it's just every time you put someone in there, they're going to get drafted. Um, <laughs> Boom! Third yeah, Rockies Lu- hitter selected, Chris. Take that. But yeah, Luis Arias, um, as my Brendan Rodgers was there. I figured I could wait for a few rounds for Luis Arias. I referenced him a little while ago, but walks a decent amount. Uh, Presumably, you know, if last year was real, especially the second half, he won't strike out too much. Um, So I think Luis Arias can be a top 12 third baseman in this format. So getting him in the 17th round was, I'm pretty happy with that. Chris, ever since you've made the Luis Arias, uh, Jonathan India comp, it's put like a mental block on me drafting <laughs> Jonathan India. Like I just have not been able to do it since you made that comp. It's you look at the second so half sorry. numbers. The second half numbers from Arias. I mean, he was a very similar player to Jonathan India. It's you know, can he carry it over and and do it over the course of a full season? That remains to be seen. But had a, had some big prospect pedigree. Um, and, and he was good last year. I, I think he can take the next step. So me and Chris are in lockstep there on uh, Luis Arias. Round 18. We are into round 18 now. And Alex Reyes goes off the board. Ryan Mountcastle and Jesus Aguilar, who, regardless of what you think about the player, the Marlins love him. So they're probably going to play him. And with that, oh, he's an everyday player for sure. <laughs> I, I, I still want to see what Lewin Diaz can do, Chris, uh, with everyday at-bats, but... Yeah, but they've got the DH. I, I I'm not expecting them to sign someone to play DH. I would think they're they're gonna give Aguilar time there or Diaz or you know they've still got a handful of recent top prospects who haven't gotten a full amount of playing time yet. So I think Aguilar is gonna play every day and is probably a little undervalued in fantasy. My gosh, starting pitcher right now. It's Round ugly. 18, a little over 200 picks in. My top-ranked starting pitchers are Yusei Kikuchi, Luis Patino, and Nestor Cortez. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not looking too good out here. And how do you know? Chris just selected Chris Paddock. So that's where we're at. Uh, oh, shout, out, shout out to everyone in this draft. Uh, it's, you know, sharp draft room so far. They, they definitely know what they're doing here in head-to-head points. Uh, and, and pitchers are, are flying. Uh, after Chris selected Paddock, we see Casey Mize and Waskari Noah go off the board. And Waskari Noah was really good last year. I'm not sure that he has a, a rotation spot for sure with the Braves, but if he can rekindle some of what we saw in the first half of last season, uh, he could be a steal. He's he's going quite he's, late in drafts. He's if, like a like a poor man's Denelson Lamet, like the version of Denelson Lamet we hoped we were going to get. You know when he. I think it was 2020, I guess, heading into 2020. Um, yeah. It definitely seemed like just the way they used him versus other pitchers in the postseason that they they don't really value Eno as a starting pitcher, uh, at least not a, long, a long-term option in the rotation. And, and yeah. so I, I'm not expecting him to win a rotation spot, but he's certainly in the mix. And he's a, I mean, he's a two-pitch pitcher who's probably going to give up some some home runs. So it makes sense why they may not view him as a starter, but... He's probably going to get a bunch of strikeouts too. So, you know, I think there's there's not nothing there. Yeah, and, and he's another one of these, Chris, kind of like Jack Flaherty, where Statcast doesn't like Waskari Noah because he allows a lot of hard contact, but mm-hmm. the underlying numbers on Fangraphs, the ERA estimators, the K minus walk rate, uh, all of those things really did like Waskari Noah last year. I, I would caution 
anyone who drafts him with the just the uh like looking forward if he gets off to a hot start because he's like that two pitch pitcher he's someone i could see the league kind of adjusting to maybe the second or third time mm-hmm. they face him so if he starts hot i mean maybe look at him as like a sell high candidate i mean this is like we're really looking far ahead at this point but uh just something i've noticed with waskar you know something i would also cost uh, caution with joe ryan with this kind of invisible fastball i think yeah the more times that teams see him like they might start to pick things up so if he gets off but to a hot start maybe try to sell high on joe ryan there's always the potential for i think with enoa more than uh, joe ryan for that like freddie peralta type leap where peralta was his fat he was a 70 to 80 percent fastball guy and his fastball was just incredibly hard for hitters to pick up And so he got a bunch of whiffs on it, but he got hit really hard and he couldn't really get through the order multiple times. You know, Enoa did throw a changeup 7% of the time last season and the results were actually pretty good. It's a really small sample size, but if he can get that changeup to the point where he's throwing it maybe 15% of the time with how good his slider is, then I think things could get really interesting with Wasker Enoa. I would say the same exact thing about Joe Ryan, actually, Chris, because... His secondary stuff is really good. He just doesn't throw it that much. He, I mm-hmm. mean, he throws his four-seam fastball, which is just 91 miles per hour, 66% of the time. Um, slider, 16%. Changeup, 10%. Curveball, 8%. So if he just uses that those secondary pitches more, um, I, I think we could see a breakout from Joe Ryan. Mm-hmm. So pretty interesting pitcher. Let's catch people up. After Waskar, you know, went, we see Luis Patino. I selected Bailey Ober, then Trent Grisham, Joe Adele, Jorge Soler, great pick. Jorge Soler in round 18. I uh, love that. Yeah. And then Scott at the turn, you go with nasty Nestor Cortez and Hunter Renfro. I mean, for the brand, you got to do it. <laughs> Did you see Nestor Cortez hit 96 miles per hour in an arcade the other day? Yeah, I mean, that's a good sign. We've got to learn more about these <laughs> radar guns. I mean, that that's, with, a, with a running start. <laughs> no, no, it was just a it was just a wind up on flat ground. Yeah, I thought I I thought I saw him take a step or two. Nah, it was it was it was off flat ground. <laughs> um, yeah, Nestor Cortez. I'm I'm surprised. Like I, my initial ranking of him was much higher than than anybody else clearly had him. So I obviously had to move him down quite a bit. He was really effective as a starting pitcher for the Yankees last year. Now he he gives up a ton of fly balls, and that's obviously a dangerous park to do that in. But he's just such a, a funky pitcher that I don't know. I'm willing to give him a shot late, see if he can keep it going. You know, he he likes to throw off Henner's timing by varying his windup in sometimes comical ways. <laughs> and really good control. Uh kind of maybe kind of a poor man's John Means. I don't know. I think that's uh I think that's possibly it. the biggest well, maybe not the biggest concern, but one concern is do the Yankees commit to giving him a rotation spot? As of now, I think they have to, but we'll see what kind of moves they make. Yeah, Davey Garcia would have to have a really good spring or something like that, but he was awful last season, so it seems like he'd have to prove a lot. And I want to say this about Hunter Renfro. You know, he he seems like a guy that would be better in categories leagues because the plate discipline isn't so great. He averaged about as many points per game as Randy of Rosarena last year. He averaged as many points per game as Giancarlo Stanton last year and I, I don't maybe the strikeout rate goes south because it was a career best for Renfro but if that's if that sticks for him I don't I don't see what part of his 2021 line he's not going to be able to sustain I think the, the the part of that would be that we've seen so we've seen what happened with Giancarlo Stanton when he had the outlier strikeout rate season you know and he was the MVP Whereas Renfro, it was like he had the outlier strikeout rate season, and it was yeah, I, I know like you could you could point to one example. But a lot of times, there. a guy but, does improve his strikeout rate. Yes, yeah. and, and I'm no, not no, saying I'm, yeah. for what it's worth that Renfro deserves to be taken on equal footing with Stanton. Yes. I mean, there were some weird, like the 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 runs scored for Stanton, and yeah. every there there were some weird things going on with Stanton's stat line. But I'm just saying, like. I don't know why people are dismissing him so firmly when he was genuinely great last year and in ways that seem like they could stick. Yes, and the Brewers gave up a decent amount to get him. They gave up a few prospects in that deal, and you know they've talked Renfro up. 
they he they view him as a, a main piece of their lineup, hitting right in the middle there, batting cleanup for the Brewers. Uh, we made it to the end of round 19. Before I reveal the latest picks, we're going to take a quick break, uh, but we will get you caught up next on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so Scott selected Hunter Renfro at the start of the round, and after that we saw Eduardo Escobar, Ryan McMahon, Brandon Belt. I took Mark Melanson as my second relief pitcher. I also have Cal Quantrill. Honestly, I wanted someone else to select Mark Melanson. That's why I waited so long to take him uh, because I didn't want to have to take him, but no one else was going to take him. So I just, all right, I'll be the one who takes Mark Melanson. After I took him, then Dansby Swanson, Michael Brantley. That's a sneaky good pick in this format. Akil Badu. Uh, We have reached the Reed Detmers part of the podcast. You know what? (laughs) Reed Detmers needs to get more uh, love. He was really good in the minors last season. Yes, he wasn't good in the majors, and maybe he won't be. He was, what? I mean, Scott, you can probably tell this story better, but college arm, lefty who goes 10th overall, I would guess that was more of a projectability uh, signing than a upside uh, yep. draft pick, but he's, he's surprised with the boost in velocity in the minors last yeah. year. Has but he an was amazing curveball, very good in the minors, like 100 mm-hmm. tr- strikeouts in 60 something innings, a low threes ERA. So he is someone that needs to be drafted, I think, in most leagues as a bench option. I would say maybe not in most head to head points leagues. It's we're going especially deep at starting pitcher today. Um, but I would say your typical like 29 or 30 round Roto League, Reed Detmers deserves to uh, to be in that discussion. And the Angels could definitely use him too. I'm looking at their projected rotation according to Rosser Resource, and that includes Michael Lorenzen, Jose Suarez, and Jaime Berea as their SP4, 5, and 6. So uh, <laughs> if Reed Detmers can provide anything, that would be great. Uh, after you selected him, then we see Michael Pineda, Jamison Tyone, and Kyle Gibson. And then in round 20, A.J. Pollock, another fantastic pick. He was every hitter pick. Really good on a per-game basis last year. Uh, Adbert Alzali, pretty sneaky pick, too. He was good once he returned from the IL last year. Um, I'm interested to see what Alzali can do. Then Drew Smiley, Zach Plesak. Oh, Chris. <laughs> Zach Plesak, 232nd overall. Why not? Take the shot. That's I, I drafted him in TGFBI as well. It's He's going to give you innings, if nothing else. I mean, look, he's going 200 picks later than he was last season. So the, the, the risk of him bottoming out is you drop him now, whereas last year you probably hung on to him for too long. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine with a dart throw on Zach Plezak that you know he can find something and go back to being at least a high three ZRA guy who pitches deep into games consistently. Yeah, and if he does that, he's probably a lot like... Aaron Savale or Kyle Hendricks, who went, you know, rounds ago. So mm-hmm. take a shot this late. Then Marco Gonzalez, Sean Murphy, Frankie Two Hits, Frank Schwindel. I selected Garrett Whitlock, relief pitcher eligible, you know, with the hope that he gets an opportunity in the rotation. He's another pitcher. We don't know exactly what he's going to be yet. He could be the closer for the Red Sox. He could be in their rotation. He could just be a multi inning reliever. We just don't know. But the stuff is really good. So at this point, I'll, I'll take a shot and, and see. Uh, where he winds up on that team. Then Nate Pearson, I think kind of similar situation. We know he's not going to be the closer, but uh, the role is undetermined as, as of now. Paul Seawald, Dane Dunning, and Scotty at the turn, you select Julio Rodriguez and Mitch Keller, who is apparently... Mitch Keller portion of the program. <laughs> Mitch Keller, who apparently yeah. is throwing 100 miles per hour, uh, according to Twitter at this at this juncture. 
Yeah, he's he's been working out with one of those pitcher development programs this offseason. I can't remember the name offhand. But yeah, I mean, there, there's been a, there's been a lot of buzz building on Twitter because of videos of him hitting like 102 right or something like that. When basically up three four miles per hour, um, there's been statistics provided too, and he's averaging three to four miles per hour in that facility more on his fastball than he did last year. I mean, control's been a big issue for him too, so I'm not sure how much. Like I'm, I'm not going crazy, but it, I'll take a flyer right. just in case it leads into a big spring training. That I, I, I think the takeaway from this point in the draft is these are not guys who would typically get drafted in the 12 team league. It's the way sure. this specific draft has gone. Even a tr- typical 12 team head to head points league. I don't think Scott would be taking Mitch Keller in the 21st no. round. No, yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's just like, we, starting pitchers got hit so hard, and I, I don't, yeah. I don't see the need to fill up my bench with a lot of hitters when obviously ones of similar caliber will be available on the waiver wire. Well, yeah. I'm, I want to tap into that, when which is also why I took Julio Rodriguez just in the off chance. He does win a job at in spring training, which, which uh, Jerry DePoto, the Mariners GM has acknowledged as possible. Then I won't have to fight everybody on the waiver wire for him. Yeah. When you're in the draft and you can see in the last round that Dylan Carlson and Mitch Garver and O'Neill Cruz and Yuli Gurriel and Brandon Crawford, guys who typically would get drafted, uh, are still out there. That's even more of an argument in favor of just continuing to go with that starting pitcher heavy bench, which I think pretty much everyone in this league has. Um, yep. Yep. So I'll continue that with my last pick as well. And I, think- I mean, Yuli Gurriel, I, I would have loved to take him if I hadn't already drafted two first basemen because, like, this is his format. Uh, yeah. He actually averaged more per points per game, 307, than, than Josh Bell. Well, than CJ Crone, for that matter. I mean, he just so rarely strikes out, and he hits a lot of doubles. Yeah, I think that's an even better argument for drafting pitchers early. It's like we're in the last round of this draft, and Matt Chapman just went. Think about that, right? Like, you can yep. get him at this point in your draft, so... Uh, I think that's an argument for selecting starting pitchers early and, and just gobbling up all the, the hitter value that goes at this point. Uh, who else has gone in round 21? I mentioned Scott took Mitch Keller, then Matt Chapman, James Paxton, Ronzi Contreras. He's a pitcher prospect for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, I selected Mike Soroka. Uh, not really sure if we have IL spots in this league, but assuming that we do, I, I typically, I try to leave any draft where I have an IL spot with a pitcher or a hitter that I can stash and wait on. And, you know, there's excess value there. You know, someone like a Steven Strasburg where, you know, he, he could start on the IL, uh, whoever it might be. I, I like to, you know, obviously make use of, of those IL spots if we have them. Uh, and then Mitch Garver goes, Tyler McGill, Spencer Torkelson, Chris selects Dylan Carlson, Andrew Benintendi, Yuli Gurriel. Yuli Gurriel was the second to last pick in this draft. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Uh, head-to-head points leagues. Uh, and then Rich Hill, of course, is Mr. Irrelevant, and we've we've reached the end. We are at the end of uh, of this mock draft. All 21 rounds, quicker than I anticipated, so not bad. Good job, guys. Uh, and let's wrap up by taking a look at each of our teams. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. You, of course, were drafting first overall. Let's take a look at that infield. You've got Dalton Varsho, Josh Bell, Brandon Lau, Alex Bregman, and Bobby Witt. In the outfield, you've got Hunter Renfro, Alex Kirilov, Juan Soto, and you've got CJ Krohn as your utility hitter. And then for the pitchers, you've got Sandy Alcantara, Julio Arias, Luis Castillo, Chris Sale, Noah Syndergaard as your SP5. Uh, and then your relievers, you've got Riceley Glacius, Ranger Suarez, and you loaded up with a bunch of pitchers on your bench. And of course, Julio Rodriguez. Uh, what do you think about this team? Is this a typical head-to-head points Scott White team. Uh, yes and no. I I am definitely willing to go light on the hitter front uh, for more starting pitchers, and I I think I did that, but because everybody was going at heavy starting pitchers, it, it doesn't it doesn't look as overwhelmingly dominant in, in on the pitcher side of things. And I'm not thrilled with the way my lineup looks, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm asking for Bobby Witt to come up right away and, and make an impact. Otherwise, I'm beginning the year with a waiver wire shortstop. Um, 
My second best hitter is Alex Bregman, who obviously is coming off a pretty underwhelming season. My third best hitter is Brandon Lau. I don't think it's like, like I, I think I can work with it. I think I can work with it because the reason I'm willing to go light at hitter is because you can really piece together a nine-man lineup off the waiver wire in this format. It's always replete with hitters. Um, there are going to be a lot that weren't on people's radar that break out with big numbers over the course of a season. So I'm not sweating it too much, but it's it's certain, I don't think it's the best I've ever done. I think you need one more pitcher. Like make, if it was to make if, it. like I think if it was gosh, I don't know who the guy would be. If it was Joe Musgrove instead of Noah Syndergaard, yeah. I think it works. I, I yep. think that's where it's short. Like they, the offense the offense feels like you're a pitcher short. It kind of is Ranger Suarez instead of Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. But I, I agree. I mean, I, I wish, I wish, given the investment I made at starting pitcher, I wish it looked stronger than it did. I'm trying to figure out maybe where you could have grabbed that starting pitcher, Scott. You took Alex Bregman with the first pick of round five, but I yeah. know that you obviously wanted to wind up with a strong, uh, a strong it, third baseman. So it could have been. Let's see your your round it could seven have been Jack pick, Flaherty, Max right? Freed instead of Alex Jack Bregman. Flaherty or Max Freed instead of Alex Bregman. Yeah. Yeah. Or instead of Brandon Lau in round seven. Remember, you know, we talked about how you know you were expecting the second base run. It turned out to be the shortstop run. Um, yeah, but that that crop of starting pitchers after Brandon Lau's not, yeah, d- doesn't make me feel much better. Yeah, no, no, no you're that, you're exactly right. Like, and and I don't regret the Bregman pitch pick for what it's worth. I mean, sometimes a draft just plays out in a way that yeah. you can only do, you can only do the best you can do. And I I do think it made sense. Yeah, I I I, I mean, obviously, I need Bregman to stay healthy. If he doesn't stay healthy, then it's a moot point. But I'd, I'd rather have that third base spot locked in than than have to scrap for that because because a lot of people are going to be scrapping for a third baseman. There's going to be a lot of competition to fill that position if somebody does emerge off the waiver wire like a Jose Miranda or whatever. All right, let's take a look at Chris's team. And on the hitter side, he's got Adley Rutschman, the top catcher prospect in the game from the Baltimore Orioles. Jose Abreu. Whit Merrifield, Luis Arias is his starting third baseman. Then Corey Seager in the outfield. You've got Mike Trout, Christian Yelich, George Springer. Uh, Jared Kelnick is your utility bet. Then at starting pitcher, you've got Brandon Woodruff, Robbie Ray, Framber Valdez, Eduardo Rodriguez, Patrick Sandoval as your SP5. And then your relievers, Kenley Jansen, Luis Severino. On the bench, you've got Alex Cobb, Chris Paddock, Reed Detmer, Zach Plesak, and... Dylan Carlson. I think this is a job well done, Chris. I think it's a really balanced team. Yeah, I'm really happy with the way this team worked out. And, and I actually went quite heavy at hitter. I think I only had two pitchers in my first seven picks, I want to say. Um, but then I hit pitcher really hard. And I'm really glad I did when I did because <laughs> it would have been, it'd be really ugly if I had waited any longer. But, yeah. you know, being able to round out the Robbie Ray, Brandon Woodruff combination with Rodriguez, Framber Valdez, and Patrick Sandoval. Like, it's not the most sure thing starting pitching staff ever, but I think all five of those are in my version of Scott's top 55, whatever that number would be. I do feel, I feel good about all of them as a starter, and I like the upside of Cobb and, and Detmers, and Paddock is obviously a big red uh wild card uh and then please act you know kind of similar but i'm very happy with this team like the pitching staff is good enough for how good the offense is and part of that was i did take a lot of risks at hitter as well you know mm-hmm. a lot of people would throw up if they had a mike trout christian yelich george springer outfield but that's <laughs> that's the kind of thing i'm willing to do yeah and, and again I, I think it's easier to take risks in mm-hmm. a shallower lineup league because the replacement yes. value is going to be much better on the waiver wire. So I do agree with you know taking the shots on Trout and Springer and Yelich. This is obviously uh, a very small thing to nitpick, but uh, your only bench hitter is uh, Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson. You know, 
Luis Arias is your starting third baseman. I'm looking at the remaining third baseman. Like, I probably take Josh Donaldson just to like shore up my third base position, but yeah, whatever. You could pick him oh, up. Oh, he went undrafted? Donaldson? Yeah, yeah, Donaldson went undrafted. And then there's like Eugenio Suarez, Alec Bohm, who I like as a sleeper. But yeah, it's third base is definitely a weakness. Um, but yeah. I. I wanted, because Kellenic's my utility, I wanted to get an upside outfielder in case Kellenic doesn't hit. All right. Yeah. Uh, Scott, do you have any feedback for Chris and his team? Uh, no. no. I think this might be I, the first I, time I, ever Scott likes one of my teams more than his. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's the first time ever, but yeah, I would say I do in this case. Uh, I mean, obviously it looks a lot worse if Yelich has a year like he did last sure. year. Sure, yeah. That, that changes the math quite a bit, but... You know, uh, like like I just got done saying, you can, especially the outfield. I think you could assemble the whole thing off the waiver wire over the course of the season and still have a really strong team. All right, and we'll wrap up. Take a look at my team here at catcher. I've got Wilson Contreras, then Paul Goldschmidt, Jorge Polanco, Rafael Devers, Willie Adamas in the infield. In the outfield, I've got Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, and Austin Meadows with Nelson Cruz at my utility. At pitcher, I've got Garrett Cole, I've got Logan Webb, Jack Flaherty, Sean Manaya, and Luis Garcia. My relievers are Mark Melanson and Cal Quantrill. So we each wound up with one Sparp and one closer. That's pretty interesting. And I think it's the first time this that has happened this offseason. My bench is filled with pitchers, Hyunjin Ryu, Mike Soroka, Herman Marquez, Bailey Ober, and Garrett Whitlock. Uh Chris, I I like this team. I don't love it. I feel like I wish I either had a better SP two or SP three. So yeah, maybe not being as aggressive on hitters in the I don't know rounds two through eight range, and and probably grabbing another starting pitcher there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it comes down to how you feel about Jack Flaherty and uh, Logan Webb, and since I'm a little lower on them both, it, it it looks a little weaker. But if you swapped them for Max Freed and I don't know Joe Musgrove or Luis Castillo or something. Maybe you feel uh, maybe it's a little bit better or a little bit worse. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I think the two three pitcher spots are where you look at it and say it would it would feel better if it was someone a little more of a sure thing. Scott, I don't know that I've drafted a team this offseason that you like. I feel like this one's probably gonna <laughs> probably gonna also fit that mold. But um, what do you think? I mean, again, the thing that stands out to me most, you know, I've got Garrett Cole, who I think you know is our unanimous SP one at this point. But after that, I I feel like the pitching could be a little bit better in this format. I mean, look, based on the way everybody was drafting pitching, I, I haven't looked at all twelve of the teams, but I'm sure everybody feels like the pitching could be a little better. <laughs> right. There's just so much competition. I think, uh, look, I'd, I'd feel fine coming out of the draft with that team. There, there are no obvious obvious holes in your starting nine. There, I think maybe the most questionable is Austin Meadows because I, I think there's a good chance he's just a platoon player this year. But whatever, you can replace an outfielder off the waiver wire, no problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, the pitching, I think, is, you know, you, you got a true one through three there. And it's not like it's not like Luis Garcia and Sean Manaya are, um, you know, they, they should be perfectly fine options that you keep on your roster. Maybe move in and out of your lineup some, but keep on your roster all season long. All right. Well, I will take that. <laughs> some some nice words there from Scotty. Uh, some some feedback, which I do appreciate. And speaking of which, Scotty, are you ready? Are you ready for Tout Wars on Tuesday? <laughs> you are up. I know. I know. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I'm not going to do a lot of smack talk before I even drafted my first player. We'll see how the team comes out. But it's nice that I got to do. Uh, I got to do my TGFBI draft, at least the majority of it, another 15-team Roto draft before. So it'll be fresh on my mind. And it'll be a little different because uh, Tal Wars uses OBP instead of batting average. But I tend to think people overcompensate for that. Uh, It's never been really an issue managing that OBP category for me. So yeah, I think I'm ready. And we'll talk about it on the Tuesday night podcast. Oh, no, Tuesday night's tomorrow. We'll talk about it on the Wednesday night podcast. Yes. Tell you how it did. 
Uh, if you haven't realized by now, Scott will not be on the podcast tomorrow because, of course, he is drafting in Tout Wars. And, you know, we don't want to do anything crazy like, I don't know, live stream his Tout Wars draft and distract the poor guy. So, uh, Scott's drafting. Maybe we do. Maybe it's just us color commentating Ooh. on his draft. <laughs> this is the time of year to get a little creative, right? While we're <laughs> waiting for spring training True. Uh, in the season. You don't to need announced. me on to, to commentate on the draft if you want to. All right, Chris. Uh, I don't know. We've we've got something brewing here. Maybe, maybe we'll do that. Uh, Scott drafting eighth. Uh, out of 15 people in that draft. Again, it's 5x5, yep. 15-team five five, roto with OBP instead of batting average. I'm Scott, hoping for Harper, baby. Uh, hoping for Harper at 8. Scott, will you be uh, live-tweeting about your draft? Probably. All right, cool. So everyone, make sure you go follow... You should have been following Scott anyway, at CBS Scott White, uh, if you want to follow along with his Tout Wars draft on Tuesday night uh, when you are you know, likely listening to this earlier Tuesday morning or... Tuesday afternoon, whenever it is. Anyway, we're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.